The Sopranos, in many respects, has transcended into the history books as arguably the best television show of all time, or at least the best TV show based on the Mafia. The actors that played the fictional characters became household names, immortalized into television notoriety. The journey was surreal, and even today, 15 years later, the show has an immense afterlife. Playing a New Jersey gangster was nuanced, one part menacing, but equally comedic. Federico Castelluccio played the role of Furio Junta, a Tony Soprano street soldier who tried to have a romantic fling with the boss's wife, Carmelo Soprano. I came from Italy, so I mean, you can't get more traditional than that. And so uh, my, uh, my family came in in 1968. I was like three and a half years old. I grew up speaking Italian and uh, living in an Italian neighborhood. Uh, 21st Avenue in Patterson was, was largely Italian. And so, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my, my mother was a seamstress. My father was, uh, you know, worked in a dye house, a dye factory. He was a, a foreman in a dye factory. And they, they basically dyed um, uh, fabrics and things, you know. In watching The Sopranos, one is left wondering, were these guys actually gangsters in another life? Or were they classically trained actors? who were able to embody the streets, the flair, and the mannerisms of real gangsters. My neighborhood uh, was, uh, was largely controlled by the Genovese family. And, uh, you know, from New York, they would come in. Uh, there were a lot of uh, social clubs on my street. Um, I was friends with a lot of the guys. Uh, you know, you didn't ask them if they were in the mob, but you just kind of knew, you know. So, uh, yeah, and also downtown on Chauncey Street, uh, the Club 53, that, that, was a, uh, that was a heavy place for, uh, for gambling and all kinds of stuff like that. When I was young, I didn't know much about the Mafia. I mean, I just knew growing up on 21st Ave, there were a lot of social clubs, you know. And, you know, I, I know that my brothers and my father used to go to these social clubs. They played cards here and there. But uh, I, I used to go to this place called Frankie's Sweet Shop. And Frankie's Sweet Shop, unbeknownst to me because I was a kid, uh, was a front it was a basically a place where they would you know they would make bets and uh you know and gamble and stuff but you know they would take bets on the phone and stuff and so uh i used to go in there and i and i saw this guy frankie you know what was his name uh, forget his last name uh, frank tedeschi his name was and he was he was short and he had a hunchback right very very slender very small hunchback and and he had a mustache and um, I used to go in there, and this wall was, was plastered with photographs of famous people. And with, with Frankie from Frankie's Sweet Shop, I'm like wondering, what the hell is this? He's with Frank Sinatra. He's with, you know, like the Rat Pack. And he's, you know, David Jansen, who was, a, was an actor from way back when in the 70s. And, I, and I'm looking at it, and I, you know, it was kind of, it inspired me, the fact that this guy from Patterson, who, was, who had a sweet shop, had all of these pictures with all these famous people, you know? The Sopranos was a once-in-a-lifetime experience for an actor. A chance to become iconic and etched into television history. An actor playing such a profound role could be a gift and a curse, as fans always expect you to inhabit the iconic character. When I was a kid, um, I always, I always, when I would watch a film or something that had kids in it that were my age I'd always like fantasize of being in that role and um, I never knew why but I just did 
And so I, I remember being really uh, enamored with uh, <clears throat> a guy that, that used to do impressions. Uh, his name was Rich Little. I think he's still alive, actually. He's still doing impressions. And uh, Rich Little inspired me. And then I was a kid. I was, I was doing impressions based on how Rich Little would do the impressions. <laughs> and so it was always in the back of my mind. I always had stage in the back of my mind for some reason. And, um, you know, put on a, a few little productions with my friends in my backyard. Uh, and um, I guess when I was in uh, school at SVA, School of Visual Arts, because my high school didn't have a theater program, I, um, I decided to... Uh, to uh, look into acting and look into theater and because it was something I felt like I really had something to offer to, you know. The audition process of The Sopranos works like this. Your, your agent or your manager will call you and he'll say, listen, there is a, there is a part that he, he feels he, that you're right for. So, uh, and you read, you read the, the sides. That, you know, the sides are basically a, a portion of the script, which are scenes from the script. And you kind of formulate an idea, and you go and you audition. You audition for the casting director. Um, and then if the casting director likes what you did, they'll send that tape to, um, to the producers of The Sopranos. And so uh, the process the first time was I auditioned for another character, which I knew I wasn't right for, a New York boss, Johnny Sack. And I didn't get that role, you know, and I wasn't disappointed because I knew I wasn't right for it. But then uh, maybe six, seven, eight months down the road, this audition came up for, uh, for Furio. And it was basically, I mean, the part was written for me. I was like, you know, it said this guy... Furio is is Napolitan, and he comes to, he comes to New Jersey. I mean, uh, it's tailor tailor made, but pretty much. Another part of the audition process was with the Sopranos was that you could not ad lib. Um, and when I read the part of Furio, I felt there was something missing. It was this Italianismo, uh, you know, that I knew growing up as an Italian, um, and so. I decided to ad-lib something, and I was told not to do that by some friends that had already auditioned, and I wound up doing it, and I thought that I lost the part because I didn't hear back from them for like two and a half weeks. But it turns out, as the story goes, and what I found out later on was that I was one of the first people to come in to audition for that role and basically blew everybody away, and uh, David Chase was like, I, I need to see other people. I don't know if there's somebody out there that's that's better than than what this guy did. And so, which now, you know, as an actor, you, you, you take offense to that. But now I don't take offense to it because I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm, a, you know, I'm a filmmaker now, a director. So I understand what David Chase was talking about. You, you want to make sure that you have the absolute best person for that role. Being in The Sopranos, how did that change my life? Well, it changed my life... Uh, that I mean, in many ways, I mean, uh, I basically lost my anonymity. I mean, uh, you know, once once you get on an, an international show like that, uh, that's that's you know seen by everybody, and uh, and actors uh, you know that you've admired over the years, they, they know your work, they know who you are. Uh, casting directors now, you you know, they know your work. You walk in, they, you know, they're familiar with your work. So it changed it changed it in in the sense that you know. There's a familiarity with uh, with who you are as as an actor. Uh, one of the things I had to undo was 
my accent. Uh, I came onto the scene, you know, speaking with an Italian accent. So I had to really undo that part uh, and, and reintroduce myself to people out in Hollywood. And then, you know, they would undoubtedly, everyone would say, I didn't know you, <laughs> you didn't have an accent. As much as mafia guys hated to admit it, a lot of them watched the show. They watched the show for authenticity, for originality, and to criticize. Because any great gangster can always break balls. It's just the way it goes. So once I started to inhabit a role of a gangster, did I hang around any gangsters to see how they operated? Uh, you know, as an actor, you know, you, 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 you do research and, uh, you know, for yourself in order to get accuracy. And, uh, yeah, I went back into my old neighborhood, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and just observed, basically. And, um, you know, I picked up a little a few things here and there. Uh, there was an Italian guy uh, who, unfortunately, is deported now, but I, I became very close friends with him. Uh, he went to jail, and uh, as soon as he got out of jail, they deported him. But he was—he had this great accent, and I, I looked at him. But he was—he uh, had a different accent. He was from the Puglia area, you know. But um, you know, uh, Furio is uh, is comprised of a lot of different people, you know. You know, the accent comes from, you know, uh, a little bit from my father, from uh, my, my uncle in Toronto, uh, you know, uh, some people that I, I knew in Patterson that were Napolitans, and, you know, and so I would listen to them. And, you know, I have a musical ear. I mean, my, my brother was a musician for many years. My father played piano. I mean, there was, there's music in my family, so I, you know, I inherently can, can listen and, and mimic some of these things. And that's why I think early on I was, I was pretty good with doing impressions as well. But, yeah, I mean, look, you know, everyone, every actor likes to do research, and they, they like to go back, and maybe if they, you know, if they see somebody or, or know someone, they'll start, uh, you know, really observing what they do and their mannerisms and gesticulations. The hardest thing of being on The Sopranos was uh, not being on The Sopranos. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the hardest thing was, was uh, you know, kind of not, not being part of the show anymore. But uh, because you, it, it becomes like a family. You know, I was a fan before I ever got on. So the, the, the first season was just tremendous. I mean, I was hooked. And, you know, being from New Jersey and being an actor... Uh, I was like, man, this, this just, I, I, I was bugging my, my agent like daily and weekly to try to get on that show and try to get some kind of audition. And um, because I knew, I really knew I really had something to bring to that, to that, to that show. And um, yeah, so I mean, uh, that, that's one of the hardest things. And also, you know, it becomes a family. Once, once you're on there and you know that there's something great happening with this show that you're on, you know, everyone is, is, is kind of aware of that. And it, you know, it becomes like a family. We, we were, we were very tight as friends as well as coworkers. David Chase, the creator of the Sopranos has always been very elusive about the many inspirations for the show, but there is a lingering question. Was the Soprano family based on the real DeCavacante family from New Jersey? How close to the truth was it? Did I ever hear that David Chase based The Sopranos on a real crime family of New Jersey? Yes, I did. Uh, 
It was based on the Di Cavalcante family. They were based in Newark and Elizabeth. Uh, I, I grew up knowing about these guys because they used to come into my neighborhood, some of them. And, you know, I, that was the first time I ever heard was when I was, when I was a kid. Uh, back in the 70s and uh, early 80s, uh, that name just, just rings a bell ever, ever since I heard it again later on in my life. Uh, Di Cavalcante, Simona Di Cavalcante and Sam Di Cavalcante. It was original. Uh, they were they were a New Jersey mob basically, uh, and they they really weren't respected from what I heard uh, from the the five families in New York. And as they as they got stronger and as they got more power, then they started becoming um, you know recognized by the five families. And what happened was uh, you know. I think the feds were, were onto them, and they started they started basically uh, you know breaking it up. I mean, putting people in jail. The the acting boss was in jail. Then there was just somebody else that was uh, I forget the guy's name. Sam the plumber. Sam, you know you know the story about Sam the plumber. Sam the plumber basically he had he had a um, he had like a, a, a like a plumbing and heating shop, and you know to to basically you know run the money through and it was like supposed to be a legitimate business and that's where they got it from because you know he has he had this business this, this uh, air conditioning and heating business so he called him Sam the plumber you know <laughs> I, I remember hearing tapes uh, it was some kind of uh, some kind of program uh, where they were they they had taped these guys in a car and some, I guess one of the guys was wearing a wire and they're like, you, you watch this show, The Sopranos? Yeah, yeah. I think that they're looking at us, man. I don't know about that. I think these guys know too much. With the success of the show, the actors became cult figures, larger than life. And I can imagine some people maybe even confuse them as real gangsters. Or guys, at least, with a storied past. Did I know any real mob guys who ever came up to me and asked me if, uh, or said that I did a good job on the show. Uh, absolutely. Um, one of the guys is actually is, uh, is no longer with us in this world, <laughs> on this earth, I should say. Um, yeah, he, uh, he actually called me up, uh, said, uh, hey, hey, kid, you know, you're, you're doing a good job on the show. You know, you know. And he said some other things which I don't want to say right now. Forget about it. Have I ever done any other mafia roles in my career? Uh, I've done several. I, you know, this one is probably the most significant one. But uh, yeah, yeah. Over the years, you know, people kind of look at you in that role, and uh, they they want to hire you for certain roles that, that are similar. Do I think there will ever be another show like The Sopranos? Unlikely, I think. Uh, I mean, that combination before The Sopranos, there was really nothing worthwhile watching, in my opinion. And after The Sopranos, that was sort of a benchmark for every other show to follow. And, um, you know, they, they, they had the writing down. They had the, the right casting down. You know, the actors were, were phenomenal. Um, you know, and the music. Music is what, what was really, that, that sort of brought all the emotions together at the end. And, and, and that's David Chase. David Chase, came, his background is, is in music. And, uh, and uh, you know, he brought in a, a guy by the name of uh, Martin Bruce Lee. And uh, they worked together on the, uh, on the scoring and the music. I observed quite a bit being on that show. I observed not only the actors, but also the directors. 
and which ultimately inspired me to direct something later on. Um, I, I, I mainly observed James Gandolfini. Uh, I used to watch the eating scenes and uh, the way he would just move things around in his plate and then speak and like about to eat and then put it down again and move things around and then take a little bite. And so I said, wow, man, that's great. This is, this, these, these, eating take, these eating scenes take a very long time, like a day, and they have to keep bringing fresh food in and everything. And, you know, he figured out a way to, to like, eat just very little in during those scenes. And that's one of the things that I've always remembered. Without comedy and tone, The Sopranos probably wouldn't have penetrated the zeitgeist. That is what was great about Sunday nights. The family was equally funny as it was dark. In Offset, some of the stories were immensely bizarre. Okay, so when I first... Okay, let me let me let me preface it. Let me preface it. Uh, the Italian accent. Okay, when I first got onto The Sopranos, and we, you know, basically you have to do a read through with all of the actors reading their parts in the script, and it's a, it's a it's a large room, and everybody sits around and they read their part. And so I came in that day, uh, that first time, and uh, I I read my part, and I, you know, when it came time to announce your name, you say, uh, you know, Federico Castelluccio, Furio Junta, and then you go into your part, and it was all with the accent, so that's all, the people that met me for the first time, that's all they heard, was me speaking with an Italian accent, Now there were, there were a few people that I knew, uh, Vinnie Pastore was there, uh, Michael Imperioli, they, they knew me from before, so, you know, I remember Michael coming up to me, he goes, hey man, great accent, <laughs> and so, uh, and so, uh, I, I, uh, my next couple of days, I was in the trailer, uh, you know, to get makeup and hair. And basically, I, you know, before you, you walk up onto that trailer, because it, it bounces, you know, you, you knock on the door and say, you're coming up, coming in, you know. And so I said hello to everybody, and Edie Falco was there. She was getting her hair done or whatever, makeup. And I said, hey, Edie, how are you? And she, she's like, fine. And she's looking at me like weird. And uh, through, I can see her still staring at me through the, um, through, through the mirror and I went over there and <laughs> I sat down and the guy starts doing my hair she's like what happened to your accent and uh and the guy that was doing my hair is I forget his name but he's like it's 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 called acting dear and and so that that so that that told me that I was onto something uh that uh, you know that was believable you know so we would actually um be asked to do a lot of uh, a lot of meet and greets and signings and things like that you know appearances basically as the Sopranos because it was at the height of its popularity and uh, we would always have these casinos that wanted us to go and and um, you know meet the fans and you know high rollers and things like that so we were invited to Foxwoods one year and you know we were taking pictures with everybody and then uh, you know, we, we would we had this green room, this this large sort of uh, uh, sort of tented off area, and everybody was waiting back there in order to um, to meet the fans, right? And so uh, as as time went on, you know, I guess some people were you know were drinking during the evening, and there was this one guy that was with uh, that was always with Tony Sirico, and you know he he would like come with him as his friend or his guest he was he was this big guy you know with blonde hair and uh and so 
I um I came in late uh, to to the you know because I was I was one of the last guys you know doing a signing or whatever and I came come in late to the uh, the green room and I'm looking at Lorraine Bracco and I'm looking at some other people and they're they're staring at the table where all the food was and Lorraine was actually she was like this basically with her hands folded and smoking a cigarette and just staring at something and I I looked over at what they were staring at and it was this guy that this this big guy who was sitting at the, the head of the table there was nobody else sitting there there was just a lot of food on the table but there was this huge huge plate of spaghetti and spaghetti sauce and literally he was twirling the spaghetti sauce from across the table and it was dragging on the table all over his shirt and eating it the guy was completely shit-faced and it was literally like theater watching this guy do that and that's why everybody was mesmerized and so now Jim comes in and he looks at me he's like what's going on here <laughs> and I said I said this guy over here man he's he's gonna throw up all over the place I mean look at him he's eating he's a slob he goes I said no we got to get him out of here all right come on let's go so I grab him from one side <laughs> I said come on we're gonna take you to the room I grab him from one side and then I grab him and and uh Gandolfini grabs him from the other side and he tells us where his room is so we 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 go up in the elevator we go to the room and we're trying to open his key, you know, with the key that he had. We're trying to open it. And we're like, you know, I said, are you sure this is it? The guy goes, yeah, yeah, well, sure. So he's hanging on us. You know, he's got like tomato sauce all over him. And and all of a sudden, somebody from inside the the, the, the uh, hotel room opens the door. And he's like, hey, what's going And he looks at me <laughs> and Gandolfini. He's like, Tony Furio? What the hell's going on here? Holy shit. <laughs> it was literally, I mean, like. And then the, the actual the actual room was one floor above. So he, he, he got the right room, but it was one floor. He, he messed up the floor, basically.